You're listening to audio from Citizens Church located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Good morning. How are y'all? Okay, great. This is going to go great. Hey, um, as Michael said, and, and Jill, thanks for praying for me. Uh, it, it is a joy to be here with you. It really is. And uh, I have so many great relationships and friendships here as a part of this church and uh, see so many of you that I recognize and that I love and that I care about deeply. And it really is an honor for me to be here. Uh, as we were worshiping, this is my first time uh, to worship corporately since March, uh, which is crazy. And, and uh, I'm going to try to keep my heart in check as I think about that. Um, the last time that I preached uh, before people uh, was in, in March, and it wasn't at the village. It was at another church in California uh, when everything went crazy, and so I have done a lot of teaching and communicating to a camera alone in a room. Uh, I've done a lot of meetings over Zoom, as I'm sure all of you have, or some type of interface like that, uh, but to be with you and to hear you sing uh, is a real delight for my heart. And uh, the village is just a couple of weeks away from this, and so I'm, I'm eager for our people, and I'm eager to gather with our church, uh, but this is a foretaste for me, and I'm thankful for that. Um, you clearly have masks on, which makes this not the same as it normally is, and so uh, I'm just trusting that you're all smiling behind the mask. I'm trusting that you're all with me and eager to be here. Uh, feel free to shout out, give an amen. Uh, if you don't like where I'm going, just keep it to yourself, but anything else is welcomed and, and would be greatly appreciated. I love your church. I love the story of your church. I love God's faithfulness to you as a body, and uh, it is clear and evident the Lord's hand and favor upon you as a people. I know it's not been without challenges. I know it's not been without its ups and its downs, but the Lord is faithful and he has been to you, to you as a body. He has been faithful. And I'm grateful for the leadership here. I'm grateful for all of you who serve and what you do to uphold this particular body. Uh, and it's a, it's a joy. It, it truly is a joy. Uh, to know you and to love you. Uh, I'm going to be in Psalm 23, as, as Michael talked about and Jill walked us through and read us through the passage. I'm going to start that by sharing a little story with you. Over the summer, uh, I had the opportunity to go on a hiking trip. Hey, Jude, I see you waving to me, so I'm just going to, hey, hey, bleakers, all of you. Okay. Um, that'll be the last time we wave during this. Um, I went on a hiking trip, and I, I had been in the mountains a decent amount, but I've, I'm not really hiked in the mountains. I've done some leisurely hikes and some things like that, but this was a different experience for me. And let me see if I can explain that a little bit to you. So um, we had the opportunity to go out with uh, an out, uh, a backpacking and outfitting ministry called Way Forward Adventures. Uh, and it was actually started by Todd and Aaron Pinkston. And uh, Todd and Aaron uh, are members at the Village Church. It's a fantastic ministry. And there were 10 of us who went. Uh, two guys and, and, and 10 guys who went on this trip. And, and let me see if I can just explain how they prepared us for the trip because they did a fantastic job preparing us for the trip. We got the packing list, got everything that, that we needed. I, I knew that we're to show up at base camp at this time. And, and then it, the information kind of stopped right there. So when we asked the questions, and I, I text Todd and asked him a couple of questions before we got started and just said, um, Give me a sense of like, what elevation are we going to be 
staying at, sleeping at? And he said, you know, it, it'll be somewhere between 7 and 13. I was like, well, that, that's actually not helpful, Todd. That, that's a pretty wide range. Um, but he was dodging the questions. And so we show up. We get there. We have a great first night uh, at the base camp. And then the, the next morning, we're packing uh, our bags. And, and the bags were heavy, our packs. And it was about a 50-pound pack that each guy had to carry. And there were things in the pack that we didn't know what they were. They were just in a bag, and it was marked with some type of code. And you didn't exactly know what it was. So you had your stuff, and then you had corporate stuff or stuff for the group. But you didn't know what that stuff was. And then before we left, um, they asked us to leave anything and everything that had an on-off switch at base camp. Okay, uh, that included a watch. If, if it ticked, if it gave you any sense of orientation, if you would think this would be helpful on this hike, you weren't allowed to take it. Okay, so that's just an easy way to think about it. So you couldn't take a watch, you couldn't take a phone, you couldn't take a tablet, you didn't, couldn't take a Kindle, okay? You couldn't take anything that would help you orient yourself and your heart to what was actually going on. And what they asked us to do was this, hey, just trust your God, trust your God. And that sounds great. And in fact, that's my entire message, okay? Trust your guide. And it sounded great, and it sounded like, yeah, I want to do this. I'm really excited to step into this space. But as I took my watch off and handed my phone over and a pocket knife that I carry with me every single day, it was like, just leave it behind. Just let it go. We get there, we put the packs on, and it was heavier than I anticipated. It was for all of us. It wasn't just me. And we're walking and hiking, and... I swear to you, a group of grown men sounded like a bunch of kids in the backseat of the car on a road trip. Are we there yet? How, how far have we gone? What's our elevation? What time is it? When's the next snack? I mean, it was like this over and over and over again. And Todd and the other guy, who we called Youngblood, answered the questions like this. You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what time it is. We can look up there at the sun and, you know, it's daytime. And it, it was funny at first. And it was like, ah, this is great. Then it, then it moved from funny to frustration. Where it's like, no, I'm serious. I'm a grown man. I'm asking you what time it is. Just tell me what time it is. Okay, get your little game. And the frustration, um, that lingered f for hours. Okay, went to bed the first night, didn't know what time we went to bed, didn't know what time we got up, didn't know when dinner was, don't know what elevation it was that we slept at. I just know that I couldn't breathe and I had to share a tent with Trevor Joy. If you know Trevor Joy, then you know the challenges of what it would be like to share a tent with Trevor Joy. Trevor snores, God bless his soul. Everybody in the other tents could hear Trevor, okay? Um, so you can imagine what it was like to be right here next to Trevor, okay? Uh, it was loud. And we woke up the next morning, and it was like, how far are we going today? It was like, we're going to be where our boots are. We're just going to be where our boots are. We're going to be present. And eventually, that frustration gave way to resignation. And the resignation was just this, whatever. I'm just going to trust the guide. I'm just going to trust our guide. And what was interesting about that process, as we as a group of men move from from our, our jokes and our memes, if you will, to the frustration, to the resignation. There were times when we, we acted like we were hiking experts. We tried to measure the elevation of the trees and guess where we were and all of these types of things, all of which was wrong. That when we finally just gave ourselves over to it, to be present where we were, but to be present right here, be where your boots are, 
and I'm going to trust these two men to lead me, I can just exhale. And I actually learned what a joy it was to be led. Do you know that feeling? To be led by somebody who is trustworthy, who is able, who is competent, who knows what you do not know, who has you. And the actual trip took a turn when my heart made that turn towards resignation, a resignation of trust. And if I think about that idea of trust your guide, do we not find ourselves in the midst of a situation where you wish you knew better information, right information, information that wasn't conflicting? Anybody feel that? Anybody feel like you're venturing into a season of unknown, out of a season that has been unknown? I know for many of you, school starts here in the next week, which adds a new layer of complexity to your life, as if life hasn't been complex enough over the last five and a half months. Like, are we not in a season of uncertainty, a season of newness? And you and I, if you're like me, you're looking and wondering, who can I trust? Is it this politician? Is it this news site? Is it this expert? Is it this doctor? Is it this Instagram post? Who can I trust? And that question spins through our hearts as our hearts feel unsettled with a sense of anxiety. We're wondering who can we trust? And I think you know where I'm going to go with this as we look at the 23rd Psalm. That the 23rd Psalm answers for you and for me that question, who can I trust with my life? Who can I trust with my life? I'm going to give you a couple of things that we're not going to have time to unpack, but I think they're really important. Now, the 23rd Psalm is rich. Likely you knew it before Jill read it, that there's a cadence to it and a rhythm to it, that the poetry in and of itself is beautiful. It's both simple and profound, that there's a rhythm to it that's almost soothing even as you hear it. When you hear, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a sense where the heart rate begins to decrease. The blood pressure goes down. And we have this kind of exhale-type moment. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let me give you a couple of things for your future study if you choose to reflect on this again. The 23rd Psalm is a psalm of David. It's, the genre is a psalm of confidence or a psalm of trust. It begins in verse 1 and ends in verse 6 with what's called an inclusio. Or think of it as a bookend. It starts with the Lord Yahweh and ends with the Lord Yahweh. And what David is capturing with this inclusio or these bookends is this reality. The beautiful truths of Psalm 23 find their truth in this covenant-keeping God. The fact that I am led by still waters, that I'm able to rest, that I shall not want, that I'm led through the valley of the shadow of death, and he is with me, all of that is true. Because the Lord is the Lord. Because the Lord is Yahweh. It forms an inclusio. And let me give you four quick observations. All of these will start with a P. 
The first is pictures. There's two dominant metaphors in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord as good shepherd and the Lord as gracious host. The Lord as good shepherd and the Lord as gracious host. The Lord as good shepherd who cares for his sheep and the Lord as gracious host who considers his guests. So you've got the pictures, then you have the position, and I think this is amazing. I want you to notice the position of God relative to the believer. Notice the positioning of God relative to you. We're going to see that God is before you. He leads from the front as he directs and guides your life. Verses 1 through 3, God is before you. Then God is beside you. He comforts from beside you with care and protection in verse 4. And then God behind you as he follows and pursues behind with goodness and mercy all the days of your life. God before you. God beside you. God behind you. So we've got the pictures. We've got the position, and then we've got the pronouns. What makes Psalm 23 so interesting? Of all the psalms in 150 psalms, none of them are structured like this psalm in a personal, absolutely personal way. The psalms are a corporate prayer book. They're they're a corporate hymnal. Psalm 23 stands alone in this fact. Look for these pronouns. There is no we, no us, no them, no they. It's filled with me, with my, I. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. He leads me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then there's a switch in pronouns from he to you. David begins in in verses 1 through 3 where he is talking to God. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's talking about God in this particular way. Then in verse 4, there's a shift. And he's no longer talking about God. He's talking to God. You are with me. And we'll take note how suffering changes our language where we're no longer talking in a declarative sense and postulating about who God is, but we in our times of struggle and suffering are talking with God and to God. I need you to break through. I need you to step in. I need you to be near me. Does that resonate with what your experience has been as you've walked through challenging times? So you've got the pictures, the position, the pronouns, and then the proclamations. And there's three proclamations that I want you to take note of, and I want you to ask this question, why? Why can David proclaim these things? The first proclamation is in verse 1 where he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. The next proclamation in verse 4, I will fear no evil. Why can he say it? I will fear no evil. The third one, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Verse six. In light of all of that, let me read again Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me 
beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Three quick points. The first, my contentment. Second, my comfort. Third, my confidence. My contentment, my comfort, and my confidence. Verses one through three, we see David content in the Lord. He starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, we've talked about it being the name Yahweh, this covenant-keeping God, is my shepherd. This one who is Lord of, our Lord of all lords is my shepherd. You feel the personal nature to it. You feel the closeness there. You feel the intimacy of it. This Lord is my shepherd. And the emphasis on the individual and the personal care that God directs to you. He is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And what's beautiful about the word shepherd here is not a title of who God is. It's not a declaration of his name as much as it is a description and the nature of how he relates to his people. Or better said, in light of this psalm, how he relates to you. The Lord is your shepherd. Just let that wash over your heart. Say that kind of silently in your soul, even right now, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he is my shepherd. He, he tends to me like a shepherd tends to his sheep. I am vulnerable. I am dependent. And he is there with me in it. In my vulnerabilities, in my, depend in my dependencies, he has me. He shepherds me. He leads me from before. He guides me. He prepares the way. He makes sure that the path is the path that he wants to lead me down. He is my shepherd. And David, in light of this beautiful truth, gives that first proclamation. Because he's my shepherd, because I can trust my guide, I shall not want. I shall not want. It could be translated like this, I lack no good thing. You could say it another way, he has me. He's got me. Not that he, he has this thing or he has this circumstance. He has you. He has you. The Lord is your shepherd. A couple of years ago, <clears throat> Natalie and I went to New York just on a quick weekend trip, just the two of us. And um, we, I think I've shared a story similar to this with you, but we, we try to hit up musicals every time we go. We love them. Say what you want. Um, 
But we went and saw a musical called Dear Evan Hansen. Anybody heard Dear Evan Hansen, seen it? Cool, okay. Um, in 2017, it won six Tony Awards, including Best Musical. And uh, the, the thing that I loved about Dear Evan Hansen is this. It is a musical that is not set in some epic era of days gone by. Like I love Les Mis, best ever, I love it. But Dear Evan Hansen is about today. It's about the angst specifically of teenagers today. It's about the brokenness in the hearts of the next generation today. And it's led by young people in the musical. In fact, the guy who is the lead of Evan Hansen today is like 17 years old. He's the youngest lead in Broadway ever. And so you can feel the angst of the music. And right out of the gate, song two, called Waving Through a Window, Evan Hansen begins to sing and enunciate the cry of this world now, this generation now. And he's asking this question, do I matter? Does anybody see me through the pressures of society now? And here's what's crazy. Those questions aren't questions just for now. Those of us who are older, can we not be honest? We've asked ourselves those same questions. Do I matter? Anybody see me? Listen to this. I wish I could sing it. I can't. I'm on the outside, always looking in. Will I ever be more than I've always been? Because I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass, waving through a window. I try to speak, but nobody can hear, so I wait around for an answer to appear while I'm watch, watch, watching people pass, waving through a window. Oh, can anybody see? Is anybody waving back at me? Like, can you feel the isolation in Evan Hansen's cry there? It's like, I can see this whole thing going here, but does anybody notice me? Anybody see me here? Remember a couple of years ago, we were at a staff retreat, and one of our staff members shared a testimony as he grew up he said, I just played basketball in my driveway, just hoping that somebody would come by and stop and hang, that somebody would come by and stop and give notice and attention to me. And it's not some narcissistic need. It's the need of the Imago Day for you to be seen and validated and affirmed and loved. And what David is saying to you and to me now is this, the Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. He is your shepherd that your heart might rest in that fact. The Lord sees you. He takes note of you. He knows your cares and your concerns and your ups and your downs. And he is guiding you to green pastures and still waters. And for David, and I pray for us, that allows us to say this. I shall not want. I, mean, I have everything that I need in him. I shall not want. And then the psalm shifts in verse four. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the shift here moves from green pastures and still waters. And David transitions and says, even though 
even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So you can feel the the green pastures, the still waters, they are no longer what our circumstances look like. And David is walking through an even though moment. In the valley of the shadow of death. And I trust that we've been there. For, For some very real sense, all of us are in an even though moment right now. Even though we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Even though we're in the midst of racial unrest, even though we're in the middle of political disarray, even though. And then how about we bring it down right to where we are? Even though my health is failing, even though I was furloughed from my job, even though finances are a struggle, even though my children are wandering, even though my singleness haunts me, even though my anxiety is crippling, even though. Now the shepherd is no longer in front. He is right here. Even though I'm in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. You're with me right here, beside me. And David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, which is meant as as an instrument of protection for the sheep, you are protecting me in my state of vulnerability. As I'm in this scary season of my life, in the valley of the shadow of death, you comfort me by protecting me in my vulnerable state. Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, not only is your rod protecting me, but your staff, as a shepherd would use the staff to guide the sheep, step by step, you lead me. And some of us, as we find ourselves in these seasons of struggle and suffering, you know that life is not about next week, next month, next year. It's about the next step. Like, how do I get from here to here and then to here? You've been there, right? You've had that moment, right? All that you have are those breath prayers. You are with me. Help me. You are with me. Help me. And where is the shepherd? He's not up there, nowhere to be found. He's not way in the background cheering me on. He is beside me. And for David, the proclamation comes forward, I will fear no evil. Why? And say it in your heart, because you're with me. You're with me. My health fails, you are with me. My child wanders, you are with me. My anxiety is elevated. God, you are with me. Earlier in the summer, in July, uh, I was, got a call on a Sunday afternoon. It was a shocking call. It was an even though type moment. I got the call that uh, a friend of mine had passed away the night before in a traffic accident. And it was a shocking story uh, for a lot of reasons. And my friend, John, um, was driving <clears throat> on his way to uh, Missouri. And I uh, was driving with another friend and 
there was an accident up near um, just north on, on 75, and there was a, uh, an accident on the road, and one of the cars was on fire. And so John and, and his buddy pulled over to the side of the road and hopped out to render aid to a group of strangers. And as they were rescuing, literally rescuing these people out of the car, these people that they did not know, um, an 18-wheeler came bearing down onto the scene. And it's a hard story. Um, it's, it's a story of heroism and unbelievable tragedy. In a, in a last minute, uh, kind of a last second of heroic courage, John, uh, they had gotten the, the two people out of the car, and he's there with his buddy. He pushes his friend out of the way, and John is struck and killed instantly by this 18-wheeler. As you can imagine, um, that was hard to hear. It was hard for my family to process. Uh, it was hard for us to understand. It's very much an even-though moment. If you knew John, uh, you knew that, that that scene was emblematic of his life, selfless sacrifice. It's just who he was. That story actually gained a bunch of national attention and, uh, and for good and right reason. But it's not just a story about John's heroics and the tragedy of how his life ended. It's also a story about a wife and four young kids who lost a husband and a beloved dad. It's a story about a church just outside of Houston that was planted by John and pastored by John that was now without a pastor. It's a story about two parents that tragically lost a son, a sister who lost a brother, friends who lost one of the best. It's an unbelievably difficult story. And as I was weeping my way through the week, the beautiful truths of Psalm 23 comfort my soul, and not because of the poetry, but because of the shepherd. Not because of the cadence or the rhythm of the psalm, but because of the great shepherd who is present in the pain. And as the valley walls begin to close in and suffocate your life, you know this, believer, there are green pastures on the other end of this. There are green pastures on the other side. I may not see it this side of eternity, but this valley does give way. It gives way in Christ Jesus as sure as I'm standing here right now. It does give way. And so we take heart in knowing this. He is with me. He is upholding me, guiding me, protecting me, sustaining me, leading me to green pastures. And that's exactly where the psalm goes. So we see the picture of this great shepherd shift into the picture of a gracious host. The picture moves from my comfort by this shepherd to my confidence in this host. Where David, on the other end of the valley, talks about a table that's prepared before him in the presence of his enemies. It's the idea that his enemies are now at bay. They have been handled. The situation is no longer what it once was. Suffering is in the rear view mirror and I am now at the table. And I'm at the table at the invitation of a gracious host 
who is going out of his way to treat me to a feast, to treat you to a feast. Let's see what David says. You prepare a table. My cup, it overflows. Capture what's happening here. There's this idea of abundance and joy and celebration. And then he says this, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This idea of goodness is the Hebrew word hesed. And if you know anything about that Hebrew word hesed, it's used all throughout the Old Testament to speak of God's loyal love, his steadfast love, his covenant-keeping love. So check this out. Surely, hesed, loyal, faithful, steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life. God is before me, God is beside me, and now God is behind me. The idea of following me is this idea of pursuing me. He is pursuing my life with loyal, faithful, steadfast, hesed love. And my confidence is in the shelter of this gracious host. That amazing? And David here gives that last proclamation where he says this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We eventually finished that hike, obviously. And um, we got back to base camp. We got back, everybody showered, which was needed and necessary. And then we gathered around a table with our guides. And they said, hey, fire away. Ask us anything you want. And man, we peppered them with a thousand questions. But what was interesting about the questions is they mattered so much less at that point than they seemed to matter when we were in the midst of it. Because we were there around a table and just off from the table was a kitchen where there were a group of men and women who were preparing a feast. And we sat there and we learned about the elevation and what time we went to bed and what time we got up and how far we traveled each day and how they had to pivot and shift and do these types of things based on the weather. We had a hailstorm that came through one afternoon and how that dictated their plans and how they just adjusted and all of the questions were answered. And we sat there and we rejoiced not in the answers to the questions, but we rejoiced in knowing how good one our guides were and then what God had done in our hearts on the journey, on the trail, on the path. I called Natalie that afternoon, that evening. It's the first time I had spoken to her. And I just wept over the phone and said, I can't tell you how good it was for me just to be led, just to let go and to be led, to not be in charge, to not have the answer, to not have to figure this out or figure that out, but just to know I'm gonna be where my boots are and I'm gonna trust my guide. He has me. And what a good and gracious freedom of heart it was for me. And when I think about our Lord, I think about what David writes here in Psalm 23. 
I want to point our hearts to the good shepherd and the gracious host as found in Revelation 7. And I'll end with reading this. Revelation 7 is where we see the picture of every tongue, tribe, and nation gathered around the table for a feast. And in verse 15, John writes this, Therefore, they're before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat for the lamb. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. This is our feast. This is a feast where you and I have a seat at the table. The invitation is already yours in Christ. The Spirit has sealed it up for you. And so as you think about God leading you, God beside you, God behind you and following you, where you are headed as a church, yes, but you as an individual. You as an individual. God Almighty has an invitation with your name on it where you will join him at a feast. And in some sense, it's a feast in your honor, but it's a feast for his glory. And you will gather and you will recount his goodness and his mercy, his joyful, faithful, hesed, loyal love to you. So lift up your eyes, citizens. Lift up your heart, citizens, that you might see and believe and take hold of his goodness and grace to you as a people and to you as an individual. Do you know this shepherd? Do you know this gracious host? Let's pray that he would move in our midst as we respond to him. Father, we do love you. And we do thank you for the opportunity that we have just to see the riches of your glory and grace through your word. I'm thankful for the opportunity that I've had just to be with the people that I love this morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather. I'm thankful for the friendships present here. But God, I'm most, I'm most thankful now just to recount yet again that you are a good shepherd. You are the good shepherd. You're the gracious host. You lead us, and you're leading us to a feast where we will celebrate in joyful rest who you are and what you have done. So be praised in our hearts. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.